welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I think that's that's really good with a lot of discussion as well, whether it's on Facebook or books that are written or chats that people are having. It. I find that there's different platforms where one thing can be absolutely correct and true on this one, but not correct on this one here. Um, you know, when we're talking about identity, there's nothing you can do. Um, but at the same time, if all you can hear was that means I don't do anything anymore, and you, you, you listen and you engage with that on your... Um, on a different platform, but the one when it comes to identity, then uh, then you it, it's it's wrong. You know, it's not even just it, it's it is the right thing, but it's the right thing in this context, and it's the wrong thing in this context. Like you'll never have to read the Bible again. True, but um, but. It's true if you've done it always, if this was the only way you felt you had any sort of relationship with God. It's like, no, no, no. God is much, much, much bigger than your relationship with the Bible. However, if that becomes a doctrine now, let's never read the Bible. Um, there's, a, there's one guy in Holland where he went so far with, with his thinking. It's like, Humanity has been crucified with Christ, so he kind of was um, not just an inclusionist, but, um, but a universalist, and then, and then said, actually, if you really do believe that everybody is saved, then uh, the fruit of your life will be you're not talking to anybody. And actually, the good fruits of the Christian life is when our churches are empty, because we don't need to be teaching each other anymore. We don't need to be encouraging each because it's all done already. We don't need to do anything anymore. So his conclusion was, you know, like on this one, we don't need to do anything anymore. But his conclusion was so wrong. It was like, actually, if you want to show me a good Christian life, it means empty churches. It's like. What, what are you talking about? And so a bit like what you said, the thing about when you eat from the tree of life, you'll be like God. One sense, absolutely correct, like you said. But it's just not your place to need to decide whether, whether it's good or evil. But another place when it comes to identity, they were made in his image. So... That's, I find that really interesting when we have debates because people can get really heated about one thing about another thing and then we realize that they're not talking on the same platform, the same level, but one is talking about this one here and in the, the other one is talking about it in that context and that's really, I think that's even for you guys when you come back to Germany and uh, you start sharing things that you've experienced and you want to influence other people. Just make sure through a lot of questions that you are asking people and allowing them feedback that you know that you're communicating on the same platform, on the same level. 
because otherwise there's going to be a lot of confusion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there is there is one. Um, it, it's much. It's a big difference though between going to a church and teaching there and actually being part of that church. Um, so, I guess for me, I can just, I can, I don't have to cause offense and bring the truth about certain things. Um, because, like I say, I just, if, if it's just a Sunday morning or if it's, if it's a weekend conference or a seminar, um, I can choose my words wisely and and help and minister them <clears throat> to them without ever addressing the issue of maybe identity which would then lead down to well are you holy or are you becoming holy you know uh, is, has everything been finished and done at the cross or is there still stuff that you need to do um, so that's that's quite easy for me if I'm going to other churches I can just watch what I'm saying like last Friday I was the Lutheran church just so, you know, we're really administering the whole spectrum of churches. But um, but there's a difference between, yeah, coming in as a guest speaker and actually living in it. And uh, I would probably put you in touch with a couple of students that are living like that at the moment. Like one of the guys, I don't know if he's been over during your school, Jones, Thetixman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I think for him he's he's living in that tension of just I'm I'm in this church. Um and but I do disagree with some of the theology. How do I how do I serve the church well if I know that this is really my place? Uh, but the biggest thing that I would tell you is nobody's ever been convinced of the kingdom. Okay? Full stop. And I mean this amongst Christians. I mean this amongst Christians is probably a little bit different as well. If you have a relationship, you can, you can talk, you can discuss. But nobody has ever been convinced into the kingdom of God. Because if I could convince you into the kingdom of God, then it's just a matter of logic. Then it's a matter of having the right answers or answers for every question out there. There's actually a book out there, 88 answers to the, or no, 100 answers to the 100 toughest questions for Christianity. Um, with the attempt to, if I give you a flawless logic at the end of it, you'll have to admit that there's Jesus and then you give your life to him. That does not work. Because Jesus isn't the solution to a logical um, formula, but he's a person. And you only, you only have, it's, I don't understand how it works, but it's only through revelation of the Holy Spirit that you can get to know Jesus. And only, and Jesus says, you can only get to know the Father through me. And actually, you can only see me if the Father reveals me to you. It's, it's weird. But there's never once is there an argument in there. So, um, trying to come in and 
say, right, guys, let's just look at scripture and just argue, argue, argue. Um, that's what Paul did when he just got saved. And because he's really clever, he could, it actually says after he, he got saved, he proved, he argued with the local Jews and he proved among the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah. Um, but then the reaction wasn't all the Jews got saved. They just got more mad and started um, just having trouble to the point of persecution with the churches. And then it says, and then Saul went back to Tarsus. That's where he was for 15 years. And the church had peace after that. It's, and, uh, and he did that. And after that, after he had the revelation of great, Jesus himself taught him that gospel. He always went into the synagogues and he wasn't arguing, he was just preaching. And then if people said, whoa, tell us more, then he said, right. Okay, there's something that Holy Spirit has triggered inside of you that you realize, ah, oh, this is truth. I don't like it, I don't understand it, but it's truth, tell me more. And then I'll talk with you. But I'll, I won't try to convince you anymore. Because actually, and then it's just, it's always went to the synagogue first. The, some of the Jews liked it, most of them didn't. And then he went to the um, the Gentiles. Then he went out into the market square and just started preaching there and had his little churches there. So I guess that would be my um, thing, even though this is a very short answer for what it actually is. Um, live, because your life will tell the difference whether you whether it's just something new that you're excited about and you need everybody know to or to know or to understand or to agree with you or whether it's just you and if it's really you you don't have to defend it you don't have to convince anybody you're just living it and there will be a peace around you that is attractive to other people i find that especially with a lot of grace people with where that revelation is quite fresh, that there's no peace around them. There's a lot of excitement, but because it's almost a reaction out of the things that, oh, I used to believe this, and now I'm believing this, and now now I need to get everybody to believe this. There's no peace, and people don't, people find it really hard to receive stuff if it's not in peace. I'm not talking about um, harmony, just, oh, keeping the peace. I'm talking about the shalom peace of God, the, no, but this is truth. So you can disagree with me, but this is just truth. And uh, he is the Prince of Peace. It's the, the peace of God that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. So I would, I would just give you that advice to not trying to convince anybody. Don't come in guns blazing, shooting everything that doesn't seem and look like grace. Like, oh, we can't sing those songs anymore. Oh, that sermon was rubbish. Oh, you're preaching. Oh, you're praying the wrong way. Like, that has never worked. But coming from a place of sonship and just living like it, it's just like along the line, you will have to explain why you're doing things, but only because people are asking you. Jesus just came and he started preaching the kingdom. He didn't preach against Judaism. He didn't preach against religion, only when he was confronted. But his message was one of for something rather than against something. 
She's like, this is my dad. This is his kingdom. And this is how good it is. And this is here. And oh, and that was just his message. So for you, I would just, just live in it. In that truth and that grace that is Jesus. Live in that. And uh, let that flow out of everything. And, and when people confront you or ask you, so why I've heard you, you just, why are you always happy? Why are you so much at peace? Why do you enjoy God so much? Why don't you Why don't you pray anymore like we used to? Why have you stopped fasting? What, whatever it is, then you can say, actually, it's because of this. Um, but just just for future references, um, I want to offer myself there, but I'm pretty sure Phil and Rebecca and other guys as well, stay in touch with people because you will need that support throughout the times. It's like actually right now I'm really struggling. What should I do? It's this is not fun. Uh, I feel like people misunderstand me, or I'm thinking about leaving the church. It's it's those moments where it's good to have somebody else so you can just ask. So again, just hook me up on Facebook or something, or you know, Phil or Rebecca, and just Andy and Sharon, just share your hearts. I think that's the most valuable thing for you guys after the school in in adjusting into, okay, I'm in this new environment, I'm really struggling, or I'm really excited, and just walking through that. Okay. Good? Yeah, thanks. Are you okay, Timon? Yeah? <laughs> I, I want to talk to you guys about another name of God, and one of his name is El Roi, the one who sees me. The Lord sees me. Allah is always Lord. Um, it's that. It's in Genesis 16. You probably know the story. I'm just going to read it to you. This is about um, Hagar, Sarah's um, servants, and uh, Ishmael and all of that. Um, but yeah. Now Sarai. Abram's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Back then that was normal, still wasn't a good idea. It's not a good idea today to sleep with another woman but your wife. Okay, just <laughs> don't ever think this is a good idea. Never. Uh, Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave, to her, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. All right? So, seems very unfair. Uh, it was it was Sarah's idea. Abraham does it. Very stupid. Now, Hagar becomes um, proud, and she despises her mistress, because actually, everything that Abraham owns now belongs to her son. After Sarah is dead, Everything's going to go to Ishmael. So this all, oh, this stings, yeah? So she is, um, and then Sarah is offended, and Abraham, almost like the innocent guy, is like, what, what happened? Sarah, it was your idea, yeah? But again, 
that doesn't count when you sleep with another woman. Just was your idea. It never works. Don't do that. Um, and then Abraham, he wasn't always the most brave when it comes to dealing with his wife or with other people in relation to his wife. But here he said, your servant is in your hands. He's like, whoa, 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 what are you talking to me about? She's your servant. Now, before, she was, she was given to Abraham as his wife, all right? So Abraham actually got into a covenant with that woman as well. Really important, because now Abraham, again, just steps back and doesn't take responsibility. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Okay, it needs to be really bad. This is not, oh, the pastor doesn't like me, I'm going to leave the church. This is, this is so bad that actually, because a slave that escapes when he gets caught is being punished by death. Okay, so... This is not just, oh, she doesn't like me. She looks at me bad. She doesn't like my posts on Facebook. She always comments. No, just this is bad. Um, So she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said to Hagar, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Where did you come from, Kadnai Joe? You know what song? Yeah? This is, it's funny, God is asking these questions. Adam, where are you? Like, mm. uh, the angel of the Lord is asking Hagar, where you've come from and where are you going? It's like, what? What? If you're God, why are you asking these questions? But it's, I love it how God plays dumb to engage us in relationship. And that's what I'm trying to do with you guys as well. I'm playing dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it is about where you're at. What is happening with you right now that is, that is bringing relationship? Not just talking down at people, not just giving commands. You're not in an army, you're in a family. Um, I'm running with she answered. And the angel told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. All right, well, whoever uploaded something is finished. Okay. And you just wave if something is interrupting as you say it again. All right? Okay. Um, where was I? Oh, the angel of the Lord told her, <laughs> go back to your mistress and submit to her. Like, this is, um, this is counter anything that we think of God. Because we think that he's going to save us from a situation. And then... And he's like, oh, you know, you'll never have to go back there. We kind of always want God to um, protect us by removing us from a situation. Um, But here, the angel of the Lord just actually commands her to go back. But with a different different attitude and a different um, perspective, the angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. You are with child now, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everybody, and everyone's hand against him. And I will live in house, and he will live in hostility toward his brothers. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. 
the worst thing for anybody to feel is the abandonment of God. It's one thing to feel abandoned by people, but if even God doesn't know you anymore, if even God doesn't see you anymore, that's when all hope is lost, really is. And, and God addresses exactly that issue in Hagar. She's in the desert, completely alone. She's pregnant. We don't know whether she's got even any... She's at a well, so it probably doesn't have any water left because that's where she's at. And God tells her, I know you. I've seen you, and I will not let you be alone. Now go back to that place. And uh, But you're not going there to get punished or to get beaten or anything. But you, you go there because this is the place that I have for you. There's um there's the angel of uh, the angel. There's a story of David and Saul, King David, where before he was king, and King Saul. You know where he cut the um the bit off the robe of Saul at the end, and uh, in one Samuel twenty four, that is, David said to his men because his men were urging, "Is like, come on now, God has given you even there was even a prophetic word." Apparently, God has given you Saul into your hands. Kill him. It's your time to become king. And then David said this about Saul. The Lord forbid that I should do anything to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my, my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. Right at the beginning of our um, chats, I, um, I gave you the scripture out of Romans where it says the gifts of God are irrevocable. God has anointed Saul, and Saul remains anointed until the day he dies, whether good, whether bad. And David honors him to the point where he is happy, enduring further persecution in the future, rather than um, rebelling against Saul. Even though at that point Saul was evil. Isn't that crazy? There's such a deep sense of God knows me and I don't have to fight for my rights. I don't have to make a way for me because actually God sees me. So even if, if there is bad leadership in my life, God sees me. I don't have to prove anything. That is honor to the core. That is just, ah. And what, I, what comes out of my mouth about other people who I believe are wrong or um, not living in God's will, if we can put it this way, is, is, a, is a genuine question, how much honor is within me? Because if I am honorable, then even when somebody is against me, I will be, I can still address issues, absolutely, but they will always be full of honor. Um, I know I'm a bit old school with that, but with, with that, the gifts of God are irrevocable. I just want to say God has never, as far as I know, supported a revolution. Where it's just this, you can see this in Absalom against David. It's just like, and, and have you read the story of David? David was king and he did not fight back. David actually escaped and fled. It was actually his job to defend the throne. Yeah, there was somebody else that was trying, well, it would happen to be his son, but there was somebody else to try to take the throne. And David was so secure in how much God sees him that he said, actually, if it's my time to not be king anymore, 
I'm not going to fight against God. I'm just going to leave. But if it's still my time to be king, God will be able to bring me back. I don't have to defend my place or my position or my rights. That is humility. And that, I believe, can only be done out of a revelation of grace and that God sees me. Because if you get into a position by force, you will have to keep that position by force. Um, put it differently, if you are um, a famous itinerant speaker that is known for being an evangelist that always has miracles, you will feel responsible to always evangelize and produce more miracles because that is why people want to hang out with you. And it's that kind of thing where, where David just says, look, I am just so happy being me. I know that I am anointed to be king. So one day, God is going to be able to do that. And until then, I'm really happy waiting and submitting. That's crazy. It matures character inside of us. You can see this in, in Joseph, um, that at first, he, had a, he was always prophetic. Yeah, he had the dream, but he interpreted the dream. He's like, I know what this means. One day you're going to bad answer me. You know, he's, he's interpreting the dream to his, his brothers. Then, um, then he has another thing with Potiphar where there's things happening. He's like, actually, I know. And, and no, he's, he's in the dungeon already. And the, um, the cupbearer and the baker, do you know the story? Yeah. They, um, they give him the dreams. And he says, only God knows how to interpret dreams, but I'll give it a go. And then once he actually stands before Pharaoh and Pharaoh gives him the dream, Joseph says, actually, what, what are you asking me for? Like God gives the dreams and God gives the interpretation. At first, of his, at the beginning of his life, he knew that he walked in the gifting and I can do this. I am anointed of God, I can do this. And then less and less, he, he was leaning less and less on his ability or his gifting and he was leaning more and more on Jesus. And it's not about he must increase, I must decrease. That's not it. It's more the, actually, it's all Jesus. It really, from the beginning to the end, it's all Jesus. He is El Roi, the one who sees me. I don't have to fight for my rights. In Romans 5, um, verse 1 to 5, Paul puts it this way. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to the share, to sharing God's glory. So this is all what Jesus did. Yeah. And now it comes. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. All right. What is the first thing that comes out of your mouth or the first thought that pops into your mind when you run into problems and trials? That will give away what you truly believe about God. I knew, I knew it. It's, it's always going to go bad. It's like, oh, right. 
there is the goodness of God that apparently his love does not endure forever. Apparently his love comes to an end. Apparently his favor is not lasting for a lifetime, but apparently comes to an end. This is what I believe. When I'm running into problems and trials, it's like whatever's in a toothpaste. When you squish it, whatever is inside comes out. It's as simple as that. And the squishing is often the pressure. And, and only in pressure will you actually know what's inside of you. I'm not glorifying those moments. I'm not even saying God sent them. I'm just saying God uses them. Is that okay? So let's keep reading. We can rejoice too when, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. Because only then do you know how important those things really are for you. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation or our hope. And this hope will not disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit that has been shed abroad our hearts. Ah, every time there's something that rises up inside of me that wants to defend myself, Every time I feel, oh, this is not right, this is unfair, I need to set the record straight. I need to remind myself, like what Paul says in Romans 6, now consider yourself dead. Because a dead person does not get offended. Simple as that. A dead person does not need to defend themselves. Amen? So every area where I'm still trying to defend myself, I have, I don't have that revelation that I'm actually dead. It's like as simple as that. Actually, in this area too, Jesus, I have died with Jesus. There's, there's nothing in me actually that can still get offended. And it really shows whether we actually trust God. Because the only reason why I'm stepping in is because I'm not sure that God is going to do something about me. And that's when I need to do something. When I actually don't believe that he's L or we, that I don't think he sees me, that I think he's forgotten about me. Everybody else gets promoted, whether it's at work, whether it's in church, whatever it is. And then I need to do something. And God's like, no, 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 no. Can you trust me? It really is whether we build his kingdom. And that's still something that is so relevant in my life. It's not something I'm preaching to you guys. This is me including. Am I building his kingdom or am I trying to make a name for myself? Um, and sometimes it can almost look the same, but there's, there's a difference in our hearts. Yeah. I find that really hard in James 4 verse 10. It says, submit yourself to the Lord or humble yourself to before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's I have an idea what it means, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot more to that that I don't know yet. But it's this being faithful um, in what has what God has asked you to do now. Team, um, whether it's stuff with the youth, with the younger guys that you just want to influence, like whatever it is with um, JMS or, or anything else, it's just. This is the environment that you will be in. And uh, I just want to 
encourage you. You don't ever have to react. You can just, just look at Jesus. He's the one that sees you. Even when people will misunderstand you and will even judge you, mistreat you, all of that. But in, in that moment, even that is going to be a big indicator whether, whether you only believe all that great stuff <laughs> because it's quite nice and because Kingsway does it in this environment, it's quite easy to believe. Well, it has really transformed me. And I cannot help but believe in the goodness of God. This is just who I am. And I don't need to fight for it. I don't need to try and get my pastor to agree with me or anything like this. It's just, this is just it. Ha. Ah, he is the one that sees you. And, uh, and because of that, you can always have hope. Even if some of the prophecies or the promises that you that been spoken into your life don't seem to be fulfilled right now. It's like, God, I've been waiting for these for five years, for 10 years. I don't know how long I'm going to wait. I only will start doing something about it if I don't know that he actually sees me. It brings so much peace into you guys when you know that God sees you constantly. He will never forget about you. He will never overlook you. He is the one who sees you. That's, that, that puts so much at ease when it comes to even like the stress of um, a career and promotions. And, you know, who do I have to impress in order to get a promotion? And we do that in church as well. Who do I have to hang out with so they invite me to their conference or they invite me to come and speak at their church? All of that. But when you know that he is the one who sees you, you can just be yourself. Like everything drops, any sort of performance or any sort of striving drops. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's the one that sees you. Just enjoy that. Good. I think this is more... Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.